and welcome to the Empowerment and Courage podcast. We are your hosts, Ellie and Coco, and we speak to professional athletes so that they can inspire you with their stories. We talk about what's beyond the success, things like the challenges and adversity they had to face, and their advice to anyone with big dreams. For today's episode, Ellie had the great pleasure of speaking with Jessica Long. She's an American swimmer, a four-time Paralympian, and has won 23 Paralympic medals, including 13 gold medals. So, hi Jessica, and uh, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course, I've, you know, really been looking forward to speaking with you. So it's, um, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you and I'm happy we found some time in your quite busy schedule. <laughs> me too. It's definitely been a wild time. So I'm really happy to be speaking now. Yeah, I can imagine. Me too. Thanks. So, I mean, just to start, for those who aren't familiar with you, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I feel like I have such a big story, so I will try to give you the condensed version. Um, <laughs> my name is Jessica Long. I am a Paralympic swimmer. Um, but before that title and what made me a Paralympic athlete is um, I was actually put up for adoption when I was 13 months old by a Russian girl. Um, I think I believe she was 16, 16 or 17, so very young, just couldn't take care of a disabled baby. And during this time, there was an American couple, Steve and Beth Long, who had two children, wanted a bigger family. They tried for about 10 years, but they were told that they had second infertility. Um, so they looked into adoption, saw me and another little boy, and decided to go to Russia, Siberia, um, and get us. And I, it's incredible because it, it just, to me, it takes really special people um, first to want to adopt, but also to adopt kids with challenges. And for me, um, I was born with something called fibular hemimelia, which basically means I'm missing all the bones in my lower legs. I was missing the fibula bone. Um, so, I mean, they knew going into the adoption that I was going to have lots of surgeries. And the other little boy who they adopted, who's my now brother, he was born with a cleft lip and palate. Um, but as luck would have it, um, four years later, they had a little girl and then another little girl. So I'm one of six kids. Um, very big family. To me, it doesn't seem that big, but at the same time, love the big family. Um, but, you know, growing up, I, and with something, you know, fibular hemimelia, I've probably had about 25 surgeries along the way. So definitely not easy. Um, but I'm so thankful that my parents were up for the challenge and, you know, alongside me every step of the way. Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, that's a very unique and very, I mean, like you say, it's an incredible story. Um, first of all, them coming over, adopting you and helping you, you know, to um, to maybe have a better life than what you could have had if you if you stayed in Russia. Yes. And, you know, I think as I've gotten older, of course, perspective, I've definitely learned um, more, you know, what my life could have looked like, um, especially in Russia. You know, the older you get, um, you know, the next orphanage you go to and especially, you know, they just they don't have as many caretakers um, but more than anything, just, you know, mobility. I don't think I would be able to walk. I, I had a foot at 18 months that my parents here in Baltimore um, decided to amputate. So you just never know what your life could look like. And I am definitely very grateful. But along, um, you know, a, a lot of this, there's been so much success in my swimming world, but there's been a lot of, you know, challenges and a lot of obstacles that have come my way and just mm -hmm. approaching it with a, you know, a positive and 
positive attitude and never quitting has definitely helped. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. That's awesome. I mean, like you said, it's kind of, uh, <laughs> that's totally fine, <laughs> of course. Um, no, but I mean, like you said, you, you really, um, how can you explain it? I mean, your life kind of changed, I guess, in major ways when you came to the US, but it gave you opportunities to get to where you are today. Um, you know, one of the best or maybe the best Paralympic swimmer ever in the US. So that's uh, awesome, really. <laughs> yes. And it has definitely been a wild journey and a long ride. Um, you know, I, I definitely said this already, but the success um, doesn't come without, you know, there's already so much that you're overcoming as a swimmer, as an athlete. But, you know, my story, starting in a Russian orphanage, coming to the U.S., getting my little legs amputated, um, there was definitely lots of times that were really hard and a lot of moments that people didn't get to see, you know, going in and out of surgeries, um, draining tubes, infections. Um, every time I got a new set of legs, I had to learn how to rewalk all over again. So it wasn't mm -hmm. like, I think the big thing with my journey and my story is it wasn't like I just overcame and, and picked myself up and, and just carried myself on. It was every couple months, every time I grew, I had to go back and get a surgery. Because kind of what ended up happening with what I was born with, um, the bone would start to curve. And it even came through my skin once, once or twice. But, um, but it's definitely been a wild ride. And I think if I can look back on all those really challenging times, it definitely set the bar high. Um, just to not ever give up when things get tough. And I was able to carry that on into sport. That's amazing. Yeah, truly. I want to speak more about all of this. There are so many things to talk about. But um, if we look at just swimming, I mean, when did you first start swimming? How did you get into that sport? Well, I had always loved to swim. I used to swim in my parents, my grandparents' backyard pool. And I, I was that swimmer or that girl, that little girl. Um, I was like, I would eat my food as fast as possible and just, just to get into the pool, which I know you're supposed to wait 30 minutes, but like, who does that? <laughs> um, so I would be the first one in and the last one out to the point where my parents were literally like packing up the kids, putting them in the van. And I was still in the mm -hmm. pool playing. Um, I would play mermaids. Um, I loved playing with my siblings or just being in the water. And I think the big thing there and why swimming is totally my my chosen sport is I'm able to not wear any form of prosthetic. And I think to me, there's mm -hmm. just this weightless, endless, um, endless possibilities. And I feel so strong and capable when I'm outside of the water um, is when I feel the heaviness of my prosthetics, the heaviness, the weight, the pain. Um, so that is why I've always loved swimming. But before I, I joined a swim team, I actually did gymnastics for about six years. And when my legs are off, I walk on my knees. I just get a little mm -hmm. bit shorter. Um, but my parents were really afraid that I would end up damaging my knees to the point of amputation or not being able to wear the prosthetic legs that I wear mm -hmm. today. So we sat down, we had a conversation. They just said, you know, Jess, we, we need to find another sport that, you know, you can stay active because I was very active. Mm -hmm. I wanted to like move all the time. Um, or you're going to have to wear your prosthetic legs in gymnastics. And my prosthetic legs have changed so much over the years. Um, so it, at the time I just, I didn't want to wear my legs. They were really uncomfortable. So I was like, let's try a new sport. I'd always like to swim. So it just made sense. Like, let's try swimming. Mm -hmm. And I was 10 years old when I joined a swim team and I loved it. I was terrified, but at the same time, I, I just, I loved how I was treated. And that is why I kept going back to the swim team is just because I was treated just like everyone else. You know, I wasn't treated like the girl with no legs. 
Yeah, of course, that makes sense. And I think I read an article with you where you said that it was kind of like freedom, you know, being in the pool. It was, like you said, getting away from it and just, yeah, it was something completely different. Yes, yeah. For me, again, just taking off my legs, they're so heavy. But also I think there was, you know, let's, you know, the adoption. The adoption was hard. And mm -hmm. I think as a little kid, you can't really grasp and understand adoption as well. Like I knew that I was adopted into an amazing, loving family. And all I'd ever been told is that my adoptive mom, or not my adoptive mom, my birth mom in Russia loved me, did the best thing for me. But there was still this like desire to prove myself, to prove like, you know, you gave up your baby. I'm going to make sure it was, mm -hmm. you know, I was worth it. So I think, you know, all of my years of swimming It was that like trying to prove that I was like worth it. Um, but at the same time, I still loved getting out energy and, and not wearing my legs and pushing myself and figuring out ways to move in the water, even when I didn't have a strong kick. You know, I don't, I don't kick in the water. So mm -hmm. I really yeah. love that whole challenging part of swimming. So do you think then that kind of, you know, your motivation and your competitiveness, it came from the adoption and everything like that growing up? That's what fueled you kind of? My, I, I would say it was actually anger. I think, I don't know if we talk enough about anger or just feeling frustrated, but I was really angry. You know, no one could tell me why I was born with le without legs. No one could tell me really why I was put up for adoption. You know, my parents said all the right things that again, that my, my birth mom was 16, 17. We're still a little unsure on that detail. Um, but mm -hmm. around that age when she gave me up and it was the best decision and she did everything right, but there's still that anger that it's like, she didn't want me like there was still the anger. And then there was anger going in and out of surgery. You know, I have, I had surgeries every six, three to six months. And I think it was just to me, the water was a place that I could get out all of my frustration, almost to the point where I was so mentally, physically exhausted that when I got out of the water and faced normal life, I didn't have time to like be upset. Like, I don't know. And then I started doing really well. So of course, you know, It's, it starts as this love, of course, it starts as a love for the sport, but then somewhere along the lines, you know, you start to find your worth in sport, your worth in medals. Um, and that came a little bit later, but it definitely started with mm -hmm. wanting to prove myself and, and just feeling confident in my own skin. Okay. And you started, you know, getting quite good at it after a while, even though it started with a love for the sport, but when did you know that, okay, this is what I want to do? Like I want to swim full time. Yeah. So I joined a swim team when I was 10, the only girl missing legs. Um, and I didn't even know there was some, I didn't know there was other people out there like me. I'd never seen another amputee, let alone missing two legs, young girl. And I didn't know that there was others out there like me doing sports. So we were at a local, a local club meet. Um, I had only been swimming, I think for about a year, maybe at this point, year and a half. And one of the officials came up and asked my dad, Steve Long, if we knew what the Paralympic Games were. And we were like, mm -hmm. no, like we obviously knew about the Olympics. Um, I knew about the Special Olympics, but I didn't know that there was something out there, you know, for me um, to be a physical, physically disabled, compete at an elite level. And that's when we did some research and found out about the Paralympics. And it's amazing. I mean, even just the word para, para means parallel to the Olympic games, Paralympic games, parallel to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And I just knew instantly that I wanted to become a Paralympic, a Paralympian, just like every other, you know, mm -hmm. people dream of becoming Olympians. I wanted to be a Paralympian. 
And I was at one of the, you know, we ended up going to some of the national meets and, and I came at like kind of a good time because it was right before the 2004 Paralympic trials. And I was only 12, you know, not expected to make Team USA, but I did, I had this determination, this, this drive just to be the best that I, I could be. And um, mm-hmm. I ended up going and it's so funny because when I look back now, a little 12 year old was so much attitude and sass. And I just said, you know, I'm going to make this team. And uh, my parents were like, Jess, you know, it's, it's a sweet goal, but like, wait till you're 16, another four years. Mm-hmm. And um, I just said I was going to do it. And the morning they announced Team USA, my mom and my sister slept in. They didn't even come because like no one thought I was going to make the team. And my dad and I went just to see kind of who got named to Team USA. And then all of a sudden they announced Jessica Long. And I just kind of, you know, I looked at my dad. I smiled like, I knew it. Like, I told you so. (laughs) And then I got to go. And that's kind of when my life really changed. And, you know, here I am. It's, what, 18 years later. I'm still swimming, still aiming for my my fifth Paralympics. Uh, But it really did start with that one just little dream as a 12-year-old to become a Paralympian. And that's so cool as well. Like you said, I mean, 12 years old, that's incredibly young. And like you said, you kind of were just smiling. Okay, yeah, I made it. Because you were, I mean, you already decided that you were going to go there. But that must have been just incredible when you made it and when you actually got to go to, to Greece to compete. How was that to compete at that level being so young? I mean, were you nervous going into it? Did you feel any pressure? How how did you handle it? <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's wild. Because again, I it almost feels like it didn't happen. Like, you know, being 12 years old, you don't think that you're young as a 12 year old. Like I knew I was like young and I like, you know, I was almost a teenager at 13. So I like, I thought I knew everything, but looking back, you know, or, or now being older, a seasoned swimmer. And I see these little 14 year olds and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you are so young. But there I was being a 12 year old going off to Greece away from my parents. I went to Mm -hmm. training trips with Team USA where I was home. I was away for three weeks at a time. And I, we had training trips in California. We had training trips in Colorado. Um, but it just, I loved it. You know, I loved it. I loved, uh, I loved racing. I loved swimming. Um, and that's really, truly what it, it all boils down to, right? Is the love that you have for the sport. That's why I'm still swimming. But I just, I, I remember just falling in love. I remember being so excited to go through team processing when you get all of your Team USA gear and not really being that nervous. Like I, I was like, what, what do I have to be nervous about? I'm, I'm not supposed to win. I'm not even supposed to make the finals because in swimming there's morning and night, prelims and finals. Um, but in my first race, somehow, I mean, I, I'd seen other people winning gold medals or, and medals. Um, at the Paralympics and we're racing in front of thousands and thousands of people. And I was only a freestyler at the time. Um, but in my first race, it was the hundred meter freestyle. And I was up against the world record holder who I knew I've known of. Um, I'd seen her in the village. She, she was, I think in her late twenties, um, from Israel and she was the world world record holder. And, um, somehow in my morning swim, I wasn't next to her, but I was seated first going into finals. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I have a chance to even medal. Um, but that night, you know, I knew she was going to swim hard. I knew she was going to race, race till the end. She's the world record holder. And I don't know. I just, again, I loved it. And I was like, it's just swimming. Like, we'll see. So there we are. We're at finals. The official says, take your mark. The buzzer goes off. And I dive in and it's definitely everyone's swimming for that gold medal. Um, and I always struggle with the first half just because I don't have my legs. I'm, I'm building into the, to the race. 
And later I did find out that I was in fifth place at the flip turn, which is not like, that's not the gold medal position that I was mm-hmm. in. Um, and I'm swimming and I'm gaining on her and I, I can see, cause at one point I was like by her feet and I just realized I'm like gaining on her, I'm gaining on her. And it's so funny. I, I will never forget this. And I've talked about this before, but I was about, we were about 15 meters out of the wall. And there was like, even though there was thousands of people and the crowd was going wild and my team, team USA is cheering for me, my family's in the audience. I breathed to my right and I saw her and I remember thinking, I did not come here to get second. And we touched the wall so close. I mean, it was, it's, it was about a fingernail now that I'm older, a 10th of a second. And, um, I mean, it was crazy. That was, it set the bar so high. It was my first race, first youngest ever won a gold medal in the Paralympics. Um, it definitely set the bar high, but it was an amazing experience. And I went on to win a couple more gold medals somehow. That's crazy. I mean, <laughs> I'm just like, I can picture it in front of me now when you're telling the story, you know, that's insane. Like you said, just coming there and not really expecting anything. But then when you're in the water, just I didn't come here to finish second, you know, and then winning. I mean, that must have been, you know, just incredible. Like you said as well, you won, I think, two more gold medals, right? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But it's been fun. Yes. I mean, how was that? How did you deal with that after? Because I'm guessing you got more attention, you know, coming out of the games, being 12, winning three um, gold medals, beating, you said, like the reigning champion, right? Yeah. I mean, it it was incredible. But at the same time, you know, Paralympics wasn't as big as it is now. I mean, the movement mm-hmm. is still growing. Um, people now know who I am. Um, if I go to the grocery store, which is really cool, if I wear certain legs, um, I have a, I have my name in our Olympic park. Um, mm-hmm. But back then, as a little 12-year-old, no one knew really what the Paralympics were. And Michael Phelps, I'm from, you know, we're in the same hometown together. Um, you know, I was getting some attention. I was getting articles written, and I was mm-hmm. in parades. But, like, my big thing, I remember being in Athens, Greece, being asked to do a phone interview with, like, the Baltimore Sun, which is here in Baltimore. And I just said, like, I really want to meet Michael Phelps because I had seen him compete that, you know, in Athens. And then we came a couple weeks mm-hmm. later for the Paralympics. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool. I got to meet him. I got to, you know, do so many things. But at the same time, I was also – I was really aware as a 12-year-old that people did not know what the Paralympic Games were. And I did not like that because I was like, I just won some gold medals. And that, I think, became my mission to really grow the Paralympic movement and to bring it where it is today. And I think, you know, as even in the U.S., we still have a lot of work to do. But um, it's amazing to see other countries know what the Paralympic Games are and be so proud of their Paralympic athletes. And I still think that's something we need to work on. Um, But as a little 12-year-old, you know, it it probably didn't even get better till I was 20, you know, the Paralympics getting getting yeah. sponsorships and stuff. And it wasn't like I didn't have some sponsors, but um, I think it was more, you know, companies kind of checked it off the list. Like, oh, we'll add one Paralympic athlete. Now what you see is sponsorships are, they sometimes have more Paralympic athletes than they have Olympic athletes on their campaigns. So it's really come a long way and I'm definitely really proud to be a part of it still. Yeah, and I saw also that June 23rd, I think this year, was the first ever Olympic and Paralympic day, right? Yeah, why? I mean... But to me, I think there's no difference. You know, we compete for Team USA. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, I know like almost every Olympic athlete you can think of. Um, I've had opportunities of meeting old legend- legends and, and seeing the up and coming athletes. So to me, there shouldn't be any difference. Um, 
but it's definitely been really exciting to see the growth and even just company, you know, I've, I've partnered with some really cool people and just how excited they are about the Paralympic, the Paralympic athletes. It's, it's like, this is what I've been waiting for since I was 12 Mm -hmm. years old. Like we are arriving kind of thing. Yeah. So it kind of started then, you know, your drive to make people see Paralympics as well. And then, I mean, how, how was that this year? Like you said, it shouldn't be a difference, but still, like, did it feel good for the first time that they kind of recognized it together, I guess, after fighting for it for such a long time? Yeah. And there's been a lot of really good changes. So even like Operation Gold, which is our medal money, we were not even getting, I think we're getting like a third of the medal money. So now it's like equal. You get the same pay. Um, we sponsorships are the same. I, I'm, I really love, and this is so silly, but in Athens, we actually had a different colored jacket for our metal podium. So like they wore like blue pants, a jacket that was like white sleeves and like a red kind of part. Uh, maybe this was Beijing. I think this was Beijing. Okay. But the Paralympic athletes had blue, blue, red. So like everyone knew that we were different. So there's been so many little changes like that. Like now our uniform, our metal uniforming is the same. Like it's not any different for like the Olympic athletes or the Paralympic athletes, like even just even down to like the coloring. So I've always noticed that I, I think it should always be the same. Um, and I'm definitely really excited to see even more growth. I still, I still think there needs to be little changes hand, here and there, but for the most part, I'm really proud of you know, a lot of the, you know, what the companies are doing or the people that support the Paralympic Games mm-hmm. or the Olympics. It's it's come a long way. Yeah, since you first went the first time in, in 2004, that's that's good at least that it's moving in the right direction. Yes. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we could keep talking, you know, about your success for, I guess, like another hour or something, because after, you know, the Paralympics 2004, you went on to win, I think in total, if I'm getting this number right, 23 Paralympic medals. Um, 13 of them being gold. <laughs> yeah, that's like the ones I count. No, just kidding. Yeah, no, but something like this. And I mean, I read as well, like 52 world championship medals, um, 35 gold. Yeah, maybe you're not keeping count, but I read this online and I was like, that's just insane. I mean, it's so many medals. It's crazy. Um, and I think it was one year where you broke like 18 world records that year. So, I mean, this was just like the beginning of several years of medals and awards. So looking back at it, do you think you have like one favorite memory or maybe a few that you could pick? Yeah. I mean, ever, all of them are so great. I think when I look back on my career and journey, I, I see more, you know, sometimes I get a little sad because I, I'm so proud of the medals and the world record stuff. And mm-hmm. yes, I definitely get excited when I'm like, I hear it. Um, but I think, you know, when I look back on some of my career, I, I more hear just kind of like a sad, like, those are really tough times. And a lot of times, you know, trying to break the next world record and trying to get the next gold medal. It was just this, like, I could never, I never at at points in my life, even in my career, I never felt good enough, you know? And I think, I think it's really interesting because you hear that time and time again, that, you know, this idea of reaching perfection is going to make everything like perfect. Your life, everything's going to make sense. And if anything, it brought on more questions and more doubts and more so I'm really proud of everything. I am definitely, there are races that stick out. You know, I love, I loved the Hunter Butterfly in London because I was seated second and it shocked me. My, my world record got broken in the morning, came back and then won the gold. And I love those like last second races that come down to the fight. And I do not understand. I mean, I'm definitely a hard worker, very hard. And I show up and I give 110%. Like I definitely am that athlete. And I think it's my, my performance has 
like speaks for itself. But there are moments where I'm like, I have no idea how I won that race or why am I having all this success? And I, I, I'd like to think that it's, you know, to share my story with the world and to, you know, hopefully inspire. I definitely want to be an inspiration. I don't mind that term. Um, but also I get really excited for the next generation and seeing what they're going to do in Paralympics. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still all growth. It's still, I'm still learning. I'm still growing Mm -hmm. in Paralympics and I still plan to swim for a couple more Paralympics, but for the time being, it's, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been wild. I don't know. It it all started just because I like to swim. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, aside from just winning medals, you've also gotten like a bunch of different awards. I mean, I can't even like, (laughs) you know, read all of them, but for example, you get the AAU. James E. Sullivan Award. So that was like the most outstanding amateur athlete in the U.S. And you were the first and still only para-athlete to receive this. This type of awards, how important are them for you? Like this type of recognition? Because you spoke about before, you know, it's all kind of a blur. It's a lot of things going on. Yeah. Oh, well, that award was definitely really meaningful. Um, I think because it wasn't just for a disabled person, like a disabled category. And mm-hmm. it was up against like, I was up against Michael Phelps, Sasha Cohen, yep. Um, Apollo Ono, some huge names, Candace Parker. And I only went um, to the awards because I was excited to meet the other athletes. Like I never thought I would win. And it's so funny that you're saying this because I was just talking to my dad about this award um, a couple days ago, maybe like a couple days ago. But just like he was telling me, he's like, Jess, just in case you win, like prepare a speech. And I was like, dad, I'm not going to win. And then I won. But it was funny because if you actually watch the tape, when they announced the winner, I'm clapping for the winner, like not realizing that they announced my name. Um, but I, to me, that was really exciting. And what, again, my whole, my mission, my purpose, I want, I want Paralympic athletes to break those types of barriers. And I was upset. Like I still sometimes deal with this is people will come up to me and say, oh my gosh, you're the Olympic swimmer. And I'm like, well, yes, I'm the, I'm in the Olympic, like I'm in the Paralympics. And as soon mm-hmm. as I pay, say Paralympic, you know, there's an instant, like, you can see they're not as impressed, right? Like, they're like, oh, so you're not in the Olympics. And my goal, you know, my, I think part of the reason I'm still doing this sport, obviously, I love it, but I want to get to a point where no one ever questions what, you know, the eliteness of a Paralympic athlete. I still train hours a day. And even, even for me as an athlete, I decided that I was so tired of people looking down on Paralympics that I was like, well, let's see how I do with the Olympic athletes. And that's when I made the, the decision to come back home in Baltimore, Maryland and train with under Bob Bowman, who is Michael Phelps's coach, who was my mm-hmm. coach for a couple of years. And I trained with all Olympic athletes and did all of the Olympic workouts. So I never, I will never have to question if I am good enough to train. Like my training is as, like, I was doing the same workouts you know, as Michael Phelps, we may, I may have to make adjustments, of course, but it just proves to me that like, I, I am still, I'm not just a good Paralympic athlete. I'm a good athlete. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I guess that's something that probably feels to you as well. I mean, from what I understand of how you are, you know, the competitiveness in you having people, you know, doubting, I guess, if you're really working as hard being a Paralympic athlete, it's probably something that you kind of want to prove as well. Like you said, like making people understand that there's not really a difference, you know, it's not. Yeah. I, I think people just the, just understanding just how elite, I mean, elite Paralympic yeah. athletes are and that it's my job. Like my job is to swim 
and mm-hmm. do weights and sacrifice and, and get to the Paralympics. Um, you know, now we have this opportunity that it's another year away if it, if it even happens. Um, but just definitely, you know, working as hard as I can. And I love that. I love surprising people because even now I'll get into the pool and I'll swim with like local locals, locals. Um, so I swim at a club, Merritt Athletic Club. And mm-hmm. other people come in and out and swim. And it's so funny because there's this little blonde. I'm not – I have muscle, but it's not like I'm just giant, giant. I mean, it's, I, it's so funny because they'll be like, oh, like, can you even swim? And then I get in the water and I just blow them out. You know, I'm I'm like, oh, people need to stop doubting. But I love that. I love surprising people and I love surprising even myself. So Yeah, just showing them that they're – Kind of wrong, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think you should ever doubt them. Just the, like, a powerful, a strong heart. What am I trying to say? Yeah, just mm-hmm. determination is so powerful and strong. Of course. And, I mean, you spoke a little bit about Michael Phelps now, so you trained together with him. And I know that today a lot of people um, kind of compare you, saying that you're the Michael Phelps of Paralympic swimming. I mean, how do you feel about that? Um, maybe he's the Jessica Long of the Olympics. <laughs> exactly. I know. <laughs> I don't really want to be compared to anyone. I mean, that's definitely a very like high compliment. And Michael is fantastic. I mean, what he mm-hmm. has done for the sport of swimming and even just, you know, I, I've seen his character outside of the pool. You know, we were, we were by the pool a lot, but, um, just how kind of a person he is and, and, you know, he definitely was going through his own stuff. I think, I think if you look at successful people, there's, there's stuff that ever, I feel like almost all successful people, everyone has a story, but like for Mm -hmm. me, it was my adoption. I think Michael, you know, he was going through his own stuff and mental health. He's been talking a lot about mental health, but he was a really great teammate. And one of my favorite memories is we were doing this set. It was like a 7,000 meter set. I am. And I struggled with, I am a little bit because you know, breaststroke and backstroke are a little bit more leg dominant. So I would struggle a little bit more than like fly and freestyle. So it just was one of those days that took me forever to finish the set. Like I wasn't going to get out unless I finished the set. And it took me, I mean, I was like the last one in kind of thing, just like could not move. And everyone else, some people had left, some people were like drying off. And I like, I walk on my knees. So my legs are like leaning up against this like bench so I'm like waddling over to my legs and he like sees me and he's like, oh, like I was the last one out. And he's like J-Lo because he always called me J-Lo, Jessica Long. And like just mm-hmm. got a little shorter. He like crouched down and like opened up his arms for a hug. And I was like, yes, it was hard, but I completed it. Um, but I think that was one of the nicest, nicest things. Um, just as a teammate, he was still such a cool guy. Even though he was Michael Phelps, he, he was always very kind to me. Yeah, that's fantastic. But like you said, I mean, still, even though he's amazing at what he do, like you don't want to be compared to to someone else because at the end of the day, you have your own story and you do what you do. I think we already, as a society in our world, the comparison is one of the biggest things, not even just in sport, but right, everyone deals with mm-hmm. comparison. And I think we have to be really careful with that just because, you know, we're each our own person and, and comparison mm-hmm. can steal joy and make you never feel good enough. And I think even now as an athlete, there are times that I have to just get off social media because it's so easy to comp- to compare yourself to other Paralympic athletes or other people and, and just mm-hmm. taking those breaks when needed. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, that's important. I, I definitely agree with you. It's, it can be a very negative spiral, I think. It's, it's not very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Like you said before, you're a four-time Paralympian and you're going for a fifth with the Tokyo Paralympics. Uh, but I mean, how would you say that your approach kind of to swimming and what you're looking to do has changed since you first uh, went to the Paralympic Games in 2004 and where you're at now? Yeah, really good question. I I definitely feel like I'm a much smarter swimmer, which means, um, you know, maybe just paying attention to what my body needs. Um, and, and definitely as an athlete, I've been doing it long enough that I know kind of, you know, certain, certain things I have to be doing in the weight room, certain things I have to be eating, certain things I have to be taking care of my mental health, um, being in a really good spot, you know, having a balance, you know, swimming can't be my whole world. Like I love swimming, but it can't be everything, everything, everything. But that doesn't mean when I, you know, when I show up to the pool and I am at, training, like I'm going to give everything in that moment. But when I come home and I'm newly married and I have a family still of six and nieces and nephews, there's a time and place to like think swimming and, and just finding that balance. But more than anything from the like athletic standpoint is just becoming a smarter swimmer. So when I was younger, I was cranking out so much yardage and now it was kind of considered garbage yardage, but you're building this base, you're building, you're putting all of that like yardage into the bank is what I, we would always say like, Oh, another like 8,000 set in the bank. Um, so now that I'm older, it's funny. I'm swimming not as much yardage, same amount of time. It still can take me two hours, but I'm swimming so much smarter and so much more, you know, mm-hmm. paying attention to my technique and, and paying attention to, um, just, you know, if my shoulders hurt, just not pushing through it, some of the pain and like (laughs) being aware of everything a little bit more. Um, but also just the mental health. Like I would say I I still love swimming and it doesn't mean it's easier. If anything, now that I'm older, it's gotten harder to like want to show up. Um, but yeah, swimming is just swimming smarter, smarter swimming and using my time more wisely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I'm not too familiar with all the expressions, of course, of swimming, but but I know what you mean, like getting smarter in, with what you do in the pool. But has your view changed when it comes to like success? I mean, do you view success differently today than what you did when you were younger? For sure. I mean, there was a time that I thought if I got a silver medal that I had like I had failed. Right. That was failure, mm-hmm. which is just so funny. Um, now, I mean, for sure, I think more than anything in the Paralympics, Kind of what's happening right now is there is some misclassification and we're all in different classes and it's something I have spoken about and it's really hard. It's really frustrating um, to know that people are kind of cheating the Paralympic system. And at the end of the day, I can only control me. And I don't even know if you've heard about all this, but it's really yeah. hard. It's hard to know that I've had competitors sit there and tell me, like, I know I'm in the wrong class. And I'm like, OK, well, I still don't have legs at the end of the day. So I have had to work really hard on controlling the controllables. I definitely, I definitely feel frustrated because I think it could end up ruining Paralympics. And, and that's a whole nother conversation. I definitely, I, I, I work really hard on controlling what I can control. And at the end of the day, that's me and my swimming and showing up and being the best that I can be, even if I feel like the system has been a little crazy. Um, but I still love swimming and I, I definitely, to view success now, I think it almost means more, which is crazy. I think I look back on some of the medals that I've won and some of the awards, and I just, I'm so proud of it. Obviously, people take me a little bit more seriously, but at the same time, I'm still just a person who loves to swim. Um, Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. I I love swimming, but it's success. I don't know. I, I think the big thing here is if you don't feel like you are good enough 
without a gold medal, you're not going to be enough with a gold medal. Does that make sense? Like gold medals are great, but they're not everything. <laughs> but it's easy for me to say because I have them. Mm-hmm. But um, it's still there's still challenges that come along, like even with winning. So yeah, of course. I mean, I think that makes sense, especially being 12 years old, winning you know gold medals in the Paralympics. I think it's easier to look at it in a more mature way, obviously, when you're a bit older and kind of understanding everything else, um, aside from the medals as well. But I mean, you just said that you're, you just, you love swimming, obviously, and it's, it's very obvious that you're so passionate about it. Do you think that's something that's, you know, important for anyone who's looking to succeed to be very passionate about what they do? Absolutely. Yes. That's something I talk a lot when I do, I do public speak or yeah, public Mm -hmm. speaking, motor speaking. And one thing I always say, number one thing is finding your passion. And I think people will be so so surprised with just what can come along in terms of success um, with finding your passion. And success isn't necessarily breaking the world record or going to the Olympics, but it could just be setting a, a goal for yourself. And I think you, when you find your passion, it kind of fuels your purpose or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. And when you find you know, figure out your purpose, it could be your passion. Um, but I think passion is huge, and I think it could be anything, right? For me, it's swimming, but it could be cooking. It could be math. It could be, I don't even know, but I I definitely (laughs) think passion is what keeps me still swimming is that I love it. Even though it's kind of, kind of, it definitely has turned into more of my job. At the end of the day, I do have to go back to that little 12 year old Jess or little 10 year old Jess who started swimming. And I would say the moment you start, the moment you start not loving what you're doing or you don't feel as passionate, I think just Maybe it's time to take a break. Maybe it's a time to kind of pull back because um, I've seen too many swimmers get burned out just because, you know, they're not as passionate anymore and that's okay. Um, but taking a break and, and realizing that, you know, you love it. And for me, I mean, there were times I wanted to retire. And as soon as I, I found different ways to give back to the sport, um, for instance, I started coaching for a little bit and that just made me realize, okay, I'm not ready to give this up. I love seeing swimming through their eyes, these little, these high school girls and that really helps me fuel fuel my passion. So is that kind of what inspires you still today? Like your love for swimming or? Yeah, I think it's a mixture, right? I love swimming. I love still improving. I want to see what I can do even even being older. Um, I think I've, mm-hmm. I've overcome bitterness, you know, even with all the classification stuff. I've really worked hard to, you know, fall in love with swimming and what I can control. But I also get really excited for the next, truly the next generation. Like I think for so long, I was proving to everyone that, you know, to prove them wrong, right. To prove them that I could do it. I was Jessica Long. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, all right, now let's prove to people that they can do it too, right. They can become their own. They don't have to be Jessica Long. They they become their, their own, their own self, right. Like I don't want to be compared to Michael just as people shouldn't be compared to me, but proving that they can go as long as possible. You know, I'm 28 and, and breaking that norm that, oh, I'm too old as a swimmer. I, I, I love um, breaking down barriers and, and all of that. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, like you said before as well, it's not, it's maybe easy for people to, you know, view all the success and, and forget about all the challenges on the way there as well. I mean, just because you started becoming successful at such a young age, I mean, you still had to face other challenges as well, you know, along the way. Um, you spoke a little bit before about, you know, having to go through more than 25 surgeries. I mean, how, how old were you when you had your, your last surgeries? Was it like during many years or? I probably still need one more surgery. Um, and I okay. put it off for a little bit, but I was maybe 20, 
23? Was I 23? Maybe 20? Something around there. 23. Maybe 2021. But if anything, Mm -hmm. what I'm I'm dealing with as I've gotten older is infections. So, like, those infections are almost, to me, you know, I'm out for three weeks. I'm taking heavy doses of antibiotics. I've had infections where I had a pick line go down to my heart where I had to, like, pump antibiotics for four months. Like, I did it all by myself. Like, um, so basically it was an IV that was in my Mm -hmm. arm all the time. But... Yeah, I look back and I think sometimes, you know, obviously those those struggles and those obstacles, they make us who we are. And I do believe that you can become stronger through the process of overcoming, right? Stronger. It's not easy. And everyone's given that choice to to really give in or to find a way to to pick yourself back up, even if it's hard. And I think what gets me through is when I look back on my life, I've overcome every single tough day. We all have. We've all overcome every single tough day, every single moment. And that doesn't mean that the pain always goes away, right? Like I can still look back on my childhood and and remember so much of the pain. And sometimes I don't remember things because it was so painful. Um, and that's more my physical pain, right? But there's still emotional pain and time helps and things have definitely gotten better as I've gotten older. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of moments that I think, I think it's so hard just to understand why. Like it's, it's that, I think a lot of people can get hung up on why me? Why is this happening? Why is this my life? Why was I in this accident? Why was I born like this? Um, but I do really think you have an opportunity to, to shine and to be different and be unique. And I think that's one way that I look at my legs is that I was given this opportunity and I don't intend to waste it. Yeah, no, I mean, really, I, I don't know how you, how you could explain it better than that. And I mean, like you said as well, a lot of people are, you know, looking at it like, okay, why me? Why is this happening to me right now? And I was going to say as well that a lot of people, um, they kind of give up, you know, like they get maybe one injury or a challenge and it's easy to give up and just quit. But you had to go through so many of these difficulties and challenges. What motivated you to, you know, keep going? Yeah, I I really liked what you said, but um, I think just for me, quitting wasn't an option, right? You know, I think everyone's given this everyone's going to go through something really hard in their life and something that maybe I haven't gone through, right? I haven't gone Mm -hmm. through, there's been things in my life that I haven't gone through. I haven't gone through a death really in the family. Like, I mean, there's, I don't even, you know, people find ways to overcome it. And, and even that's probably a bad example of overcoming, but time helps heal. And I think for me, you know, people, it's really hard to relate, not, um, being an amputee. Um, I think that's really hard, but I've been able to really touch lives through, you know, my swimming or through my adoption. Um, but I would definitely say, I think what it really boils down is not quitting. And even when it's hard, right. Overcoming or putting yourself through therapy or getting up even when you don't want to, right. It's like, what is it? Um, fall seven times, stand up eight. Like you just have to keep finding ways to pick yourself up even when you've been beaten down, beaten down. And that, that's that definitely, you know, I could definitely say looking back in my life, there were moments that I would have a leg surgery and then get an infection. And then I had my appendix rupture and then I got my tonsils out and back in for a leg surgery and an infection. It, it was a constant thing. So even between all that success, there were other things in my life that I was overcoming and it just, you know, you you really are, people really are so resilient and strong. And I think we need to remember that even when tough times come just how strong we all are. 
Yeah, and I really like what you said as well before that we all really have overcome, you know, the challenges that we were faced with. That is so true. And I think that's something that maybe people forget about, that you have actually already overcome so many challenges to get to where we all are today, essentially. Yeah. Well, and that's something too, even when I'm having a really tough swim practice, um, and then swimming, I'm doing the same thing over and over again, right? I'm, I'm racing, mm-hmm. I'm racing the clock. There's only four strokes. Um, I, I've done the same drills, the same distances my whole life or for 18 years. And, um, I just have to remember in those moments that I have overcome every single practice. It may not have been pretty, but I still finished. And I think people can really learn, like take that into your everyday life. You know, we've, we've overcome every tough day, every, moment we felt sad or down or not good enough or not not excited to to you know just live we still i you know i hope people still find ways to get up and and take on each day even with all the new challenges so but yeah i would just say um you know even overcoming right it's still there it still takes work and i think people yeah. need to recognize that it it does take work and knowing that it's going to be hard at times, but to put in that, that work and that effort to, to get to a point um, where you do find recovery, right. You know, as an athlete and maybe, you know, uh, you being an athlete as well, just having shoulder issues and, and, you know, I could continue to swim in pain for the rest of my life or I could put in six months, hard work of recovery, you know, PT and, and get almost back to normal. Like just putting in that work, I think people need to realize sometimes recovering is painful, but finding ways mm-hmm. to get through the recovery process. So, Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Essentially, that's, of course, that's being an athlete. That's a way to look at it as well. What would you say, maybe there are people who are listening to this and they're not athletes, but they're still super inspired by you and your story. I mean, what advice would you give them to, you know, get past challenges that they're facing or adversity? Yeah, for sure. Um, I kind of, you know, I definitely touched upon this, I think a little bit, but definitely, um, facing challenges or adversity, like, you know, I think people forget that they really are so strong mm-hmm. and I think, but even in that, sh- that strength, it's okay to at times feel weak. And and what I mean by that is reaching out to people when you need help. Right. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of strength in, in saying that I am struggling and, you know, finding that good support system and whether that is your family or sports or friends or relationships or people that become your family, um, just reaching out when you really are struggling, but also knowing that you are so strong and capable and that, again, you've overcome every tough day and it may not have felt pretty. It may not have looked pretty, but recognizing that, you know, as long as you're putting in the work, um, I truly think there's nothing you can't overcome. And I do think time heals wounds. And, and again, I'm just speaking from my experience and I, I, mm-hmm. I get so inspired by other people's stories but I would say what has helped me become so, so successful or overcome is really looking at these challenges as, oh, like you tried to tear me down or you tried to stop me, but I am over, I am going to overcome this and I'm going to figure out a way to get past this, this struggle. And um, that's mm-hmm. always helped me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's no, but that's amazing. I mean, and that really goes for, of course, like athletics, but also for everything else, like in life, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think as we get older, things just, things do get harder, you know, it's real life mm-hmm. and there's more emotions. And, and I think mm-hmm. there's a lot more self-medicating people and, and just, you know, 
finding joy. I think we we got to get back to getting rid of the comparison, finding joy mm-hmm. and realizing that we are so strong, um, you know, in numbers, which is, you know, supporters or supporting each other. So. Yeah. And I also watched, there's this video that you did with um, I Am Second. What did it mean to you to participate in this project? Yeah. Um, well, that was super cool just to be able to share mm-hmm. my story and just my faith. I mean, I definitely think my faith has played a huge role in my life. Um, but that's just my, you know, my story and I would never throw that on people, but, um, I am a Christian. I I definitely think it hasn't always been easy and people might not get it and that's okay. But what I believe in and what I stand for, um, has really helped me overcome in, in ways. Um, but that was really cool. I think more just, it was so raw and real. And it was like the first time I just really shared, a different side of me, which is my faith. Um, mm-hmm. And it was really cool to have people reach out and say, Hey, I don't really get it, but like, thank you for opening up. And, and I mean, even, even the fact that people watched it was really cool. Yeah, of course. But I mean, even though that might not have been something you opened up a lot about before, I'm sure that's probably something that played a huge part in, I mean, obviously like your life, but also in, I guess, your motivation and your mindset when it comes to, to, to swimming. Yeah, it it did. There were moments I didn't really understand it. And, um, you know, it's it's definitely sometimes a tough topic because, mm-hmm. you know, not every people, it, it, I don't know, just Christianity. I think the world has kind of twisted it into like, it's not as complicated as we make it. But, mm-hmm. you know, growing up, I just finally found, felt good enough and giving my heart to Christ. And that, that was kind of my decision. I think that's the coolest thing is we all have a decision to believe whatever we want. And, um, but for me, it worked out and I just, I'm not perfect. I, I still struggle every single day. Um, but that was really cool how they showcased just my, my story. And, and yeah, if anyone wants to go and watch it, um, but just some of the anger that I felt and some of the anger that I felt, you know, with why I was born the way that I was, but it is kind of cool because, um, again, talking about taking work and working really hard to overcome some of those negative thoughts about myself um, really came from my faith and stuff. Okay, so kind of like the anger that you spoke about before that you felt kind of growing up? Yeah, for sure. Definitely feeling really frustrated, really angry, not understanding mm-hmm. why was I made this way. And for me, you know, I do believe, you know, in God and, and that he made me this way. And I think sometimes it's really easy to feel angry or anger from that. And I just had to realize that, okay, I have this story to touch lives. And if it's going to be someone who can overcome some of this, why not? Why not me? And it's not, again, it's not always easy. There are days that even today, I mean, it's, it's hard to walk. It's hard to go up steps. It's hard. I have every reason to be angry. I have every reason to be upset. But instead, I choose to look at my life in, in a positive way. And why am I going to be angry for the rest of my life that I was put up for adoption and I spent 13 months in an orphanage, only 13 months of my life. Why would I focus so much on just those 13 months when I have seven, 17 years, wait, no, 27 years, 27 <laughs> years that I was adopted into a beautiful, amazing, great family. And I get that that's not everyone's story, but I want to focus on so much of the good that is so much more of my life than just being put up for adoption or just being born without legs. Um, and that's definitely really helped me is focusing on, yeah, just all the good. And, and it's so easy. And I think we all, we do that already, right? People can say so many mean, negative, nasty things. And someone could be saying the same amount of positive things, but we go like to the negative 
And I think we need to remember all the good, mm-hmm. all the good in our lives. And if we focused on the positive as much as we do on the negative, I think people would be surprised by the amount of joy that they can feel. Um, and it's it's not easy. I'm not saying this happens overnight. I'm just saying, you know, it, it's it's just focusing on all the the positive. And you hear that from people, right? Talking about you know the gratitude, focusing mm-hmm. on gratitude or, or being grateful for so many things. And I, I just think if people Spend 21 days, right? Create a new habit, um, focusing on all the good. I think we'd be really surprised by what could come in our lives. Yeah, and I read also this motto or kind of quote that you have, which was, the only disability in life is a negative attitude. Is that still something that goes along with that as well? You know, trying to be positive? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, I... I've, but see, like I've met people without arms or legs or people who have become paralyzed from car accidents or people... Little people, I've met people who have every reason to complain or be upset, mm-hmm. and they have these amazing, bright, positive attitudes about it. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean that they don't wake up and, and question or get upset at sometimes, but for the most part, their character, the way that they are, um, just the way that they carry themselves um, is positive. And I do think I've seen that in my life versus people at, say, a Starbucks getting upset about a coffee order that wasn't right. And you're like, pick your battles. Like, this is not that big of a deal compared to like people I know without arms and legs and they're just happy, happy to be alive. And um, I do think it's, it's, it doesn't take away from your pain, right? It's, it's, it's not saying that you're not allowed to feel pain in your life or frustration, but also I do think a positive mindset, a positive attitude can take you so far in this life. And I mean, don't believe me. Try it out for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And then let me know how it goes. But I do think a positive attitude really changes the course of your life and training your mind to see the good in everything. And that's hard, but you have yeah. to train just like I swim every day. You have to train your mind to see the good at all times, even when it's hard. So Yeah. And just perspective, kind of, like you said, you know, it's just about perspective. I think, like you said, you pick your battles and some people maybe get annoyed or upset with things that, you know, it's not really that big of a deal. <laughs> I think that's quite common. Yeah, I definitely think perspective is huge. And our perspective should, you know, I love the idea of growing and your perspective changing. And that's something, you know, looking back as a 12-year-old versus now, my perspective has obviously shifted. But also in everything, right? What's important? What's not important? Picking your battles. Um, and I think that people, yeah, just yeah, just learning and, and growing and evolving. You know, I don't understand how people don't want to become the best version of themselves. Um, but that's, that's what's, that, that's what inspires me is people choosing to see the good in everything, even when they're like, well, even when they're going through it, right through the tough times, mm-hmm. through the challenges, they see, they choose to see the good. And then also, um, just being the best version of themselves, right. You know, just always wanting to be better. And, and that could be just drinking more water, exercising, even when it's hard or getting out of bed or, or just those little things to me that are so difficult, right? Like, even just making your bed every day. Do you know how many people just such a small, simple task? Like we, it's doing those small little things, I think, create success. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, but that makes sense. Definitely. Like you said, I love that example of just making your bed. I mean, I'm sure so many people just skip it. I'm actually a great example. <laughs> That's like a small thing that if you just start your day doing that, that would be like completing the first task. <laughs> yes. Really. And I think like even in my life, like, I want to be successful and I want to be 
in charge, you know, I want to inspire people. I want to give speeches and I want to do all these amazing things. But I also think, again, it starts with just making your bed or doing these small, simple tasks that people, consistency, right? I am a good swimmer because of consistency. And um, I just think people just, just working hard and being consistent and success does not happen overnight. Um, but again, those small, simple tasks, are you doing them well? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Okay. So I wanted to ask you about your book because you wrote this autobiography called Unsinkable together with your sister, actually. What inspired you to to write this book? Yes. Yeah. My sister, um, she's in town right now. So super excited. But um, okay, it's super cool. You know, I remember being maybe 10 or 11 years old with my dad mm-hmm. in the car on the way to swim practice. And he I had done nothing in swimming. And he just said, Jess, one day I think you're going to write a book. And I was like, Mm-hmm. okay sure dad whatever you say mm-hmm. but it's so cool because you know even then he but my dad believed in me that you know one day you're gonna do great things but here we are um the book's been out for a couple years or two years and I wrote it with my sister my younger sister Hannah who is the miracle baby and I really think you know for me in order to to write a book I had to go back and meet my Russian family and it's all in the book um unsinkable there's pictures but You know, I think I really wanted to to open up and and not always have this hardness or this toughness or this anger. And I wanted people to really get get a different side of me. And it's, you know, we talk about moments of my life, but also relating it back to to you, the audience, and and um just different moments, right? Moments when I was frustrated with the way I was born, moments that, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. understand success or overcoming it success or meeting my biological family, you know, life's unpredictable and overcoming an eating disorder and overcoming feeling not good enough and kind of where I was in my life and just this really raw book. And it was really special to do it with my little sister. We actually had a different writer for the book, but I was just having a hard time opening up about everything. And the whole Mm -hmm. point of the book was to open up and to get to have people like get, get to know me, a different side of me. Um, so I kind of suggested to the the publisher, um, Hey, my sister's a really good writer. Could we try her? And she got to write a few chapters and they fell in love. They really liked her writing and she mm-hmm. came on as the writer that co- we wrote it together. Um, but that was really special. And it's so funny because it's kind of it evolved in, it was supposed to be kind of more a big autobiography, but it evolved in kind of more of a young adult book with mm-hmm. pictures and everything. And it's exciting because I have more books in mind, but, um, It took three years to do that book, and it's not even it's it's. I love it. I definitely am very proud of it. But um, but yeah, it took three years, and you just don't realize even what goes in into it. But every day, I still get like, I still get messages about you know young girls or boys reading my book and and loving it and feeling inspired. And I think that was definitely the point and the purpose of writing you know my story and my journey. And and even if no one read it, it was still just good to get get it out there. Of course. And I mean, I guess that's what you're looking to do, right? Whenever you retire from swimming, like keep inspiring others, maybe by, you know, being a public speaker, maybe writing more books. I'm not really sure what what, what plans or what projects you have <laughs> um, in the future. But The future. Oh, goodness. Um, for sure. I want to be involved with swimming and Paralympics and mm-hmm. writing more books and speaking and, and just sharing kind of my mindset and, and how I do things. And if that can inspire Or, or motivate one person that I think I've done my job well. Um, and it's definitely been a wild ride, a, a crazy journey. And I'm still, I'm still on it. And I'm still, 
I'm still going through stuff. Even as an athlete, I'm, I'm still preparing for a Paralympics that was postponed. I'm still developing mental toughness. I'm still, you know, I still, I met my biological family, my birth mom who married my birth father and I have siblings, but I'm still overcoming and still learning. And I don't always have all the right answers, but I definitely, um, I want to be real with people, right? Really show not always the pretty moments. And that's something Mm -hmm. um, I'm still working on and and still being involved in the Paralympics. And um, I don't know really where my life is going to take me, but I definitely know that um, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for this journey for sure. Of course, of course. I have one last question because I mean, this podcast is really about, you know, sharing professional athlete stories, you know, with the hopes to inspire others. And you spoke about yourself being an inspiration. You don't mind that term. So what advice would you just give to others out there who are listening and they have big dreams and they're looking to achieve, you know, big things in life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, First off, having those big dreams is like step number one, right? Dream big, Mm -hmm. make if your dream sounds impossible, perfect. Like you're on the right track. Um, because you look around and I just think, you know, um, someone made a car. So people make how I mean, people have made all of these things and it all started with a dream that sounded crazy um, or just wanting to win a gold medal or just writing a book or I don't know, all of these crazy things that people do and we see every day in our world. Um, that's where it starts, dreaming big. And then you know, well, finding that passion. And and then at the same time, you have to show up. You know, I think that's the hard part that people don't really want to hear. You have to show up and you have to make sacrifices and you have to, you know, at times you're going to feel really alone, but also remembering that goal and that dream and coming back to it. And I think it's so important to write it down, put it where you can see it and, um, and don't lose sight of it, but also show up every single day and put put all of your heart and soul into it. And I think, um, geez, I would much rather, like, I think we would all agree. We would much rather get to the end of our life our life, and see all these crazy big dreams and goals and think, well, at least I tried, right? Like, at least I went after it. And having truly no regrets that you, um, you went after those goals or dreams with all of your heart. So dream big and be consistent for sure. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you so much really for, you know, coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and I'm I'm certain I'm not the only one to say that this has been really inspirational. I mean, everything that you do is truly inspirational just looking at your Instagram, the messages that you share with people, your training, everything. So, yeah, thank you so much. It's been it's been great, really. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun to share my story. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and give us five stars. It's really important for us. You can find all the links to Jessica's social media in the description. And for more information about us and the podcast, follow us on Instagram at easypodcast underscore. See you next week.